Hello and welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly. This is your one-stop shop for all things horror-related, sci-fi, gems in the rough, little-seen movies, movies that should be seen that have not been seen enough. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver, and today uh, I'm going to once again be playing a little bit of catch-up with uh, just recently watched movies and see where it leads. Um, And uh, I'm going to start with one that I literally just finished uh, minutes ago, being it's fresh in my mind. And this is one that I've actually commented on on my show previously, but I wanted to chime in on it again now that it's so uh, fresh in my mind as well as the version that I watched, uh, because this is the first time that I watched this particular version. So uh, the movie is Slaughter High from 1986, and this is your standard issue slasher movie. I've watched it throughout the years on VHS, and uh, and then uh, the the most recent, other than today, the most recent version that I watched was on a horror movie 8-pack that was released here in the States a couple years ago. And I'm like, oh, you know what? I, I quite enjoyed that movie, much more than I remember watching, more than I remember liking it as I grew up. Because this is fairly generic, uh, other than a kind of a, a twist ending that's kind of different than a lot of slasher movies from the 80s. Uh, but I'll tell you, this version here that I watched today was uh, from Arrow, and this is a UK company, obviously, and I have their DVD of it. And so I'm like, oh, it's time to watch Slaughter High again. I like that movie. That was a fun movie. So because I have the Arrow version, I thought I'm going to watch that because usually Arrow has the best transfers. Uh, and I just I like to support them. And I'm like, this is a single disc version versus the the uh, eight eight pack where it's four movies on DVD. So I'm like, the compression will probably be not near as bad on this version as it was on there. Um, and it wasn't for the most part. However, here's where things get a little bit odd with this movie. The unrated runtime on this movie is around 91, maybe 92 minutes. And this version of Slaughter High was 86.5 minutes. Now, granted, that's if you, if you figure in the PAL conversion, it equals to the same cut of the movie and that is true this is the exact same uncut version of the movie that I remember watching throughout the years uh, however this is a uh, a PAL disc and for some reason some some movies do this and some don't and the reason I'm bringing this up today is because of my strong dislike for all things um, shot on video that look like they're shot on video I do not like that and so often it seems like these newer Netflix movies have that look of, hey, look, we're shooting in cool looking HD. Too bad we look like someone's home video footage that's trying to make it look like a real movie. Um, now, the reason I bring this up is uh, because Slaughter High was, it gets all funky and weird with all the conversions and, you know, changing over from PAL to NTSC. Well, my Blu-ray player converts converts Blu-rays and DVDs from PAL to NTSC. Now, obviously, Blu-ray 
there is no such thing as PAL, NTSC, all that, but they are Blu-ray region locked to A, B, and C. DVDs are another, a whole other thing. Uh, and so because this was transferred from PAL to NTSC, it's still, the running time is the same as the PAL version, uh, but w- instead of what I remember, uh, and I watched Slaughter High maybe a year ago, uh, I would guess, maybe a year and a half ago, um, this time I, that I watched it, I'm like, this feels shot on video, like in the 80s. Uh, and it's not. It's shot on film. But the the reason being is it's uh, it was upscaled because it's a Blu-ray player and, a, and an HD TV. It's upscaled to 1080. And this version here, uh, being it's PAL, it was upscaled for some reason to 1080, uh, 50 frames a second. And I don't want to get all geeky technical, but it just makes it look really weird. So it's an upscaled DVD trying to be HD, uh, and it's set to it's not set to the 24 frames per second. It's it, it's this weird funky PAL uh, PAL transfer. I don't know, whatever it is, but it makes it look it makes it totally look like shot on VHS and it's so weird watching it because I'm like this looks like a really well shot VHS movie now all of a sudden and it's it's not that so it made definitely for a different viewing experience for me I didn't like it as much as I had previously and I think that that's the reason that I didn't like it as much and so I I hesitate to say it's not a good movie uh, obviously your your enjoyment level on a movie called Slaughter High from 1986 all depends on if you like slasher movies from the 80s if you do yeah you'll probably like this if not then you're it's this is as standard issue as you can possibly get it's the uh group of obnoxious high school kids that pull a prank on uh, a less fortunate kid in this case a, a geeky science nerd face catches on fire years later there's a class reunion and of course and his name is marty and of course, Marty is there in a Joker's mask, ready to kill them all off one by one. The end. That's it. I mean, that there is the storyline. Um, uh, it's that simple. Uh, so, uh, anyway, there is a couple of instra- interesting tidbits on this movie, though, that I did wanted to share real quick. Uh, the the star. Carolyn Monroe was actually 36 years old during the filming of this movie where she plays the teenage uh, heroine in this. So, yeah, she's the uh, she's the teen star and she was from uh, 1986. So there you go. It's interesting. She has got quite the filmography. She was in The Spy Who Loved Me, uh, 1980s Maniac. Uh, Golden Voyage of Sinbad, and she's still and she's still making movies, um, uh, which is impressive. Um, and she's been in some other really cool movies too. Um, Doctor Fibes Rises Again, Dracula A.D. nineteen seventy two, um, the original original Casino Royale. She was in that at uh, the Earth's Core, Captain Kronos. So she's been in a bunch of unique movies. But here she was a thirty six year old playing a teenager. Interesting. Um, the film's working title was April Fool's Day, and actually on my Arrow release, with the credits in the beginning, it is April Fool's Day. Well, this is the only time I've ever seen that on all other versions. It's Slaughter High. I like Slaughter High better. I think that's the perfect title for an 80s slasher movie set in high school. It's great. Um, but it was changed 
so that it wouldn't be confused with the Paramount movie April Fool's Day, which was released the same year. And that's too bad because this is certainly better than that dud of a movie. Although this is not high art by any means, it is better than that. At least this movie is playing it straight as being a an 80s slasher movie. Um, uh, and then it, in 2013, Japan was the only country to have a home video release of the film under its original title, April Fool's Day. Uh, except this Arrow release from the UK that is April Fool's Day. So... Uh, weird to me, very weird. Um, I do like that uh, one of the actresses in the movie, uh, as after high school, she's a she's a porn star now, or uh, her agent is trying to get her a porn job, I guess, whatever. And the manager in the in this manager's office, there's a big, a prominently displayed, there's a big poster of uh, one of my favorite slasher movies of all time, and that's 1982's Pieces. And I thought that was kind of cool that uh, that movie got a little bit of a nod in this thing. So, um, anyway, I don't want to spend too much time on the movie because uh, it's it is fairly silly. But if you see it for cheap on that eight pack from the states, I would recommend getting that one so you don't have to deal with all the funky conversion and the the digitized way it looks. Um, but uh, it is certainly a good addition to the '80s slasher canon. Uh, it's it's nothing that you're gonna remember and. And hold near and dear to your heart, I would guess, but it was still a good time. So, there's Slaughter High, and I know, I know I've mentioned that movie before, but uh, I wanted to bring it up again mainly because of that whole conversion thing. So, uh, anyway, okay, now the next movie I want to touch on real quick is a movie from 1984, and um, it's it's hard for me to to call it a cinema soft underbelly movie, but I am, um, because of the subject matter, because of the way it was filmed, because of the way it looks, I think that it, it is definitely worthy of inclusion on my show, but this is certainly one that non-horror fans should really check out. Um, if that is, they have the, um, I don't want to say the stomach because it's not that overly graphic or anything. Well, I don't want to say it's graphic. It's, it's not, um, it's not a horror movie, let's just say that. And that is 1984's Threads from the UK. And uh, this is a documentary-style account of a nuclear holocaust and its effects on the working-class city of Sheffield, England, and the eventual long-term effects of nuclear war on civilization. Now, this came out in, uh, obviously, in 84, so the whole Cold War was going on in Soviet Union. And this came out shortly, I believe, shortly after... Uh, the movie The Day After, which was a movie made, a TV movie made in the United States. And I remember when The Day After came out, uh, I was not quite 10 years old. And there there was a big, a big deal made of that movie because everyone was so scared about you know, what's going to happen. Are we on the brink of nuclear war? Is the world going to end? And then this The Day After came out. And um, I think that I watched it uh, on VHS uh, when I was working at the little mom and pop video store many, many years later and thinking that was nothing. Um, because back in the day, that was that was the scariest. Like, oh, that's this has got to be scary. Well, Threads is the apocalyptic movie, Holocaust movie, uh, probably of all time, in my opinion. Now, granted, there's been big-budget movies. The Terminator series, obviously, is the first one that comes to mind. Even the Mad Max movies, to a certain extent, and the the whole post-apocalyptic thing. This, however, uh, deals with as realistic 
as possible of what would, what could and would happen. Now, being said, just just watch this. Some of this is obviously dated because things have changed since 1984, but the underlying themes are all there to me. And um, this is one that um, I I was reading a little bit up on this movie. And when it did come out, there was a lot of like schools that would show this movie to some of the older kids like as a what if. And I'll tell you what, I am surprised that this was shown in schools. This is a tough watch. This is actually considered one of the more disturbing and grueling movies to sit through. And so I'm like, oh, I got to see this thing. Even though it's made for TV, this is a totally made for TV movie. Um, Mick Jackson directed it. And um, and it does have sort of kind of a TV feel to it, uh, but it's still kind of got that documentary feel. And it's still it has actors acting in roles. You know, it's not a documentary per se, um, but very much like throughout the entire runtime of almost two hours. There's uh, like it's almost like a typewriter thing pops up on screen, like typing up uh, one day after uh, after. The Holocaust, uh, nuclear holocaust, two days, uh, three weeks, six months, so, such and such years. And this thing literally goes years and years after the uh, nuclear holocaust. And then obviously what's leading up to the holocaust too. So it is just a broad view of one area that is affected before and then after a nuclear holocaust uh, between the uh, the nations. And it is it is devastating. Let me tell you what. This is a hard movie. I only gave this movie three out of five stars, even though I feel it's worthy of a higher rating than that. But uh, the only version that I've seen, I think that it is on DVD, but the only version I've seen is uh, a VHS dupe on uh, Vimeo, of all places. And the quality was was barely passable. This is not the type of movie that needs to look barely passable VHS. I want to see this movie in a cleaned up HD Blu-ray version. I would love to see this in a version like that. This has some stunning scenes to where I was just like, oh, wow, that is, I don't want to say harsh, but just very, it grabbed me uh, in a certain way, certain scenes. And the way that, uh, that Mick Jackson, even the way the editing was done, where all of a sudden something you'll you'll freeze on an image or an image will start with still photographs and then turn into live action of actually what you're seeing and it's just devastating oh man there is no happy endings in this movie folks if you're up for it and have the stomach for it um and can handle almost two hours worth of gloom and doom like if this would happen this is what living conditions would be like enjoy then go for it. There's here's your movie. Um, me personally, I think that this is one of those movies that should be seen by as many people as possible because it scares the daylights out of me. I, it scares me with uh, all these superpowers. And at this point in this day and age, with how the news media controls, it seems like how they control everything and how they can turn almost half of an entire nation against the other half. Uh, I blame most of that on news media. And so it just scares me to think it's almost like those types of conglomerates are going after something like this. They want to see something like this happen. Um, I, it, at least to me, that's what these news channels seem like to me. Uh, so anyway, a couple notes on the movie. Um, 
while shooting the movie, the BBC got in trouble uh, with local police when they detonated a large smoke bomb in order to simulate a nuclear explosion. And members of the public who were not aware that a movie was being shot panicked and thought that a real explosion had occurred. And for a TV movie, 1984 again, the effects in this movie are quite well done. And the after effects are quite well done. Not, um, um, Not as good as you would see now. In fact, this movie would be ideal, ideal to remake now. I would love to see a movie like this made now um, because I think it's very topical, uh, especially with how things have kind of gotten a little bit more restless over in uh, uh, the Soviet Union or in, in Russia with the Ukraine and just with what's going on in the Middle East. I think that a movie like this would be very impactful and very powerful, especially bringing it up to modern times uh, and, de- and tying it in with these silly news channels and uh, and all that stuff. So, um, anyway, this is a really, really good movie. I just, unfortunately, I, I can't give it a higher rating simply because the transfer was so poor. Uh, U.S. television um, guru Ted Turner wanted to air the film on TBS uh, on his cable TV network, but couldn't find a sponsor. So he decided to broadcast the film out of his own pocket, and I didn't know that. And I actually thought that this was just a uh, a UK movie, but I guess it got broadcast over to here, over here too. Um, so anyway, it's free online. Check it out on Vimeo. It might even be on YouTube, but it is on Vimeo. So if you're interested, go check it out. Just keep expectations in check when you watch it. As far as the picture quality, it's it's mediocre at best, and it does have a DVD release, but uh, I'm. I'm I'm not going to check out the bucks for that thing until a proper Blu-ray release would would uh, happen. So um, anyway, so uh, that's that. Now I did want to touch on one other movie here real quick, um, and uh, and that movie is uh, and this is this is not Soft Underbelly. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not a Soft Underbelly movie, but it's fresh in my mind because I finished it up this morning and I watched most of it last night. Um, but I just wanted to chime in in case I don't have time to discuss this movie on Movie Freaks, the other show that I co-host. And that is uh, Brad Pitt's latest movie, Fury. Uh, and so I apologize if, uh, if you're a horror fan and you're listening to this show and you're like, what? Why are you talking about a brand new war movie? Well, there's a reason I'm going to talk about this movie uh, because I want to get it off my chest because it's been bothering me ever since I watched, ever since I finished up the movie. Um, and I just wanted to chime in and maybe even get some feedback from you, the listener, um, and I might even hit on this a little bit more with my co-host Eric Marner on Movie Freaks. But um, David Iyer directed Fury. And he has some good movies, um, I guess. Uh, he's made Harsh Times, Street Kings, End of Watch, Sabotage, Fury, and now he's also directing Suicide Squad. Uh, I did enjoy Street Kings, and I did enjoy End of Watch. The ending was bungled in End of Watch, but it was still a good movie. Um Sabotage was a complete and total 100% train wreck, and I do think that some of that comes from studio meddling. So I don't want to put all the blame on him on that one. However, he was the director, so I'll leave that at that. Fury. Um, so I was pretty pretty looking forward to this movie, and I wanted to see this in the theater, and honestly, one of the main reasons I didn't was because that because David Iyer directed it. And I'm like, you know, with how bad Sabotage was... And even End of Watch, how I liked it, but I'm like, that wasn't a theatrical movie for me. 
I'm like, just hold on. And so I bought the Blu-ray uh, actually fairly cheap, which is good. I'm glad I have it on Blu-ray. I'll probably watch it again. This is, this is his best movie, by the way. So I start the movie, and I'm always up for a really good war movie. I love my war movies, um, especially if they're anywhere remotely close to Full Metal Jacket, Saving Private Ryan quality. I, I just watched uh, a canon movie called Platoon Leader this past weekend with Michael Dudikoff. In fact, if you want to hear more on that movie, head over to uh, Movie Freaks on iTunes. There's uh, My full review is there. Let's just say that. Uh, but I enjoy a good war movie uh, if it's well-made. This is technically a well-made movie. Here's where things go south on this movie, and this is about a, a band of soldiers, U.S. soldiers, in Nazi-occupied Germany uh, in this army tank, and they're trying to get from point A to point B, basically. that's they're, that's The MacGuffin is getting to somewhere or other. It's just moving this big, slow tank. Um, so, um, right from the get-go, I'm hooked. And I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm, I'm, I'm in. This is already good. Acting is good. Already feel claustrophobic in this tank. Uh... Already liked the acting, already liked the characters, even uh, Mr. Shia LaBeouf was in this thing, and I even liked him. And uh, I'm into it, and we get to, there's a big beginning battle, and then it cools down a little bit, and we get back to home base, and we're introduced to a new character. Cool, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm in. The new character's name, is, uh, in the, uh, the new character, his, the actor is Logan uh, Lerman and uh, and there's also a couple other actors there are a couple other people that are in the tank too but anyway I'm I just want to stick with the main the main couple characters here so I'm in I, I'm in this and this this new character he's scared he's I'm, I'm a journalist or whatever I shouldn't be here but I, I'm thrown into this mess um, so off they go on another mission uh, I'm still into it okay and um and he's the new guy, so he's getting picked on. And Brad Pitt is the kind of sort of leader, uh, but he's a flawed character, of course. And they're totally going after a Tom Hanks-type character with Brad Pitt. And then they come across this small town, and Brad Pitt and this new character, and his name in the movie is Norman, by the way, So, and Don would be Brad Pitt. So Don and Norman see these two German girls after they raid this this German village, and... Go up to their their apartment, and I'm not going to spoil a whole lot here. But let's just say that one thing leads to the other, and now they're all kind of friends with the with these German girls. And in comes the rest of the tank guys, and there's this big standoff type scene with the other guys from the tank kind of upset that they weren't invited to this little sex party slash good food thing. Um, and it's just a really long uncomfortable scene um, that almost completely could have been cut out. All of it could have been cut out. Um, if not all of it, just a little tiny portion of it. But instead we get this long drawn out scene. Uh, and then it's just awkward with all of the cast in the tank again. Um, one of the guys really picks on the new guy, Norman, uh, but then later comes around and apologizes to him. So you're like, oh, okay, well, now he's going to get killed because he's made things right. So he's the first expendable on this tank. Um, and so from that point on, it starts to lose me. After that, after that big scene there, uh, then we get into 
all of a sudden the movie goes from trying to be Saving Private Ryan to a big Michael Bay type, totally unrealistic action explosion movie. And I, I for one, am all for it. I, hey, go, let's have at it. In the right setting. This isn't the right setting. Uh, and I'm all for big bombastic action if it's realistic and fits the type of movie that you're watching. Fury is not that movie. Uh, at least the first half of the movie was not a big, unrealistic, crash-boom-bang action movie. It was a more uh, Saving Private Ryan thing, where there's a lot of great action, but it's more based on reality. The uh, the end battle in this thing was as far-fetched as you're going to find. Uh, this small group of guys in an army tank that's broke down kill the entire Nazi army as the Nazi ar- as the Nazis, the SS, are closing in on them, and they, they just mow them down. And I'm like, really? And I'm this, who knows, this might be based on a true story, but if it is, liberties were taken, trust me. Because uh, there's just no way. So, having said that, I still really enjoyed that second half of the movie. Um, granted that the, the portion where they're in the German girl's apartment, that was largely unneeded. But then the end action stuff, it's all money. It's great action. Well filmed, brutal, br- brutal and grisly and violent, but it doesn't fit what came before it. Um, and I don't quite get that. It's like, why did you switch gears so much? Or did you not realize you were switching gears or what was your point? I'm not, I don't quite follow you guys. Um, and even the second half, all of a sudden it feels like Brad Pitt is acting more like he's an actor, not, uh, I, I think Brad Pitt's a great actor. I do. Uh, and I like when, when he's immersed in a role and here, it just started to feel like he was an actor acting. And you know what I'm talking about. I know you do. If you watch movies, you know what I'm talking about. Where, to the point where you're almost taken out of the movie. I'm like, ah, dude, come on. I, you, I, I feel you reading lines and I hate that. I don't like that. Um, anyway, I might be nitpicky. I don't know. You might like the movie. Uh, it's filmed well. It sounds and looks incredible on Blu-ray. Uh, other than that one area in the middle, it moves at a good clip. I wasn't bored. But it's just something's off. And something was majorly off with Sabotage, with Arnold Schwarzenegger. This movie here, there's just something off, uh, if that makes sense. So it gets a three star out of five from me. I wish I would have liked it more. I was expecting, I I was hoping for more. Um, If they would have stuck with the beginning theme or even went full bore, gung-ho, cheesy action, I guess you could say, I would have been cool with that too. Uh, But to have three different segments, all very different in tone, uh, Private Ryan seriousness, then melodramatic getting to know you type weirdness, and then weird, uh, unrealistic action in the end, it just is an odd assortment. So anyway, I just wanted to chime in. I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't sure if I was going to get the chance to on Movie Freaks, so I wanted to hear, uh, at least chime in on that. So anyway, there's my take on the movie Fury. So if you've seen it and you disagree with me, I'd like to hear I'd like to hear your talking points on why you didn't agree with me uh, or if I'm completely wrong. And I might be wrong. Who knows? It's movies. They're subjective, you know? Uh, so anyway, okay, that's going to do it for my show. Uh, all three movies that I've talked about, watch. They're very, very different, obviously. We've got an 80s slasher, an 80s end-of-the-world type thing, and then this big budget war movie that I just saw. So, um, but anyway... 
Uh, I love movies. I love talking about movies. And I hope that you enjoy listening to me rant about movies. Uh, you can get a hold of me at eugene-weaver at hotmail.com. And please make sure to listen to our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks. Uh, they're on iTunes, as well as the other show that I co-host with my, uh, uh, with my buddy Eric Marner. We are Movie Freaks on iTunes as well. And so that's going to wrap it up for me today, but stay tuned for next week. Who knows what I'll be getting into then. I had a, actually a long list of movies that I was going to be uh, talking about if I got around to it, but a uh, half hour just flies by real quick. So anyway, thanks again for listening. I'm Eugene Weaver, and until next time.